Have you ever said, in fact, you probably, I know you have. Have you ever said, I'll never do that again? Maybe if you've been driving a certain direction and you think, I'm never going to go down that road again. I've, I've learned my lesson. Or you, you've talked to a, a certain individual in a certain way and they responded to different things. It's kind of like the old thing when someone puts a hot plate in front of you and they say, be careful, it's hot. What do you more often than not do? Ouch, you're right, that's hot. And you think to yourself, dumb, I'm never going to do that again. Throughout our lives, more often than not, my life is, is determined by my mistakes. And I go along and I make mistakes in my life and I find myself saying again and again and again, I'll never do that again. But what if there was a way to take the principles of God's Word and the influence of other people around us and to look at those, those mistakes that they've made and say, I can see what you've done. I'm not going to do that myself. I'm going to learn, and here's one, a great one from mothers. My children will learn from my mistakes so they don't have to make the same mistake themselves, the same failures, go down the same path. It's so frustrating when I see my own children make the similar failures and mistakes that I have made. And I look forward to, to encouraging them more in the future and helping them along on their, their pathway of life. But I want not just to go through the routine and the rut of life. Well, we just go through the motions day, week, month, year after year. And I look back on my own family relationship. And my wife and I, as we are even more beautiful and handsome as we mature, we look back at our children and we say to ourselves, where did the years go? I don't want to wait until my children are in the older teenage years to begin to influence them. As young people here today, teenagers here today, don't wait until, you're, until in a sense, it's too late to begin to receive the positive influence of your parents and, the, and the, the positive influence of your peers around you. In the book of Psalm, chapter 78, if you have your Bibles, let me encourage you, open the book of Psalm. It's probably right in the middle of your Bible. If you have your Bibles, you open it up, Psalm 78. In Psalm 78, verse number 8, it gives us a why we do what we do. And it says this, and that they should not be like their fathers. <laughs> By inference, be more like your mother. No, that's not what it says there. A stubborn and rebellious generation. A generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. That doesn't sound like what I want on my wall at all. My family determines and wants to be stubborn. It does not want to be steadfast. It want, does not want to be faithful to God. That's not what you put on a poster of the wall and said, this is what my family it wants to be like. And that's exactly what the psalm is talking about. We often fail to learn from history. In fact, there's a number of, of sayings about that. You probably buy posters you put on your wall. The only thing we learn from history is that we learn nothing from history. But today, as we rethink relationships... I want you to think in two, two ways. One is, who is influencing you? Is it someone that you, that's worth listening to? Is it someone that you want 
to, to influence you in your life? And the other is, who am I influencing? And for the most part, we're going to determine and focus upon our responsibility to influence others. And every single Sunday, we have what's called a principle. It's in your bulletin to follow. It's on the screen there. And every single Sunday, we have a principle. That way, you know what we're talking about. And this is what we're talking about today. I must take the opportunities to influence others to know and trust God's love. A simple thing is, I must take the opportunities. Opportunities are all around us, and therefore we must take those opportunities to influence and to guide and lead our children, to guide and to lead others around us. Nothing is worse, and one of the most frustrating statements that somebody can make to me, and maybe it's to you as well, when they look at uh, at one of your mistakes and go, yeah, I knew you were going to do that. You ever had someone tell you that? I knew you were going to do that. My thing is, why didn't you say something? I knew that you were going to make that mistake. Why didn't you say something? Let's determine today to take the opportunities that God has given to us to be a positive influence, to be a positive role model to those around us. The book of Psalms is written as songs. They are songs that are written, and it's teaching to teach theology, to teach history. Oftentimes they were used in worship. As, as they would walk up to the temple, they would have songs that would progressively go up. So every single step up to the temple, they would, they would say a line of the psalm, and it would put into their mind an act of worship. But also in, in Jerusalem, what they would do is it would be a way to teach others their history. And Psalm 78 is a history psalm. It's a psalm that's written to encourage and also, in a real way, learn from the mistakes of the past so that we don't make those mistakes today. And as a history psalm, it would have been sung in in a way of saying, here is some truth and here is the history of Israel. It's quite a long psalm. We're not going to read the whole thing. In a moment, we're going to read um, verses 1 through 8. But we do similar things in our society today. As I was sitting at my desk this week, thinking through history and things that have been placed in my mind that have influenced me, who here, and I'm going to make you admit you're at least 30 years old or older, grew up in the 80s in Western Australia? Okay, you probably saw some of these ads on TV. Vitamins and minerals can help you on your way. They're in vegetables, dairy foods, meat and fruit. Just ask your mum today. I'm vitamin A. Ooh, I'll help you see. Yes, I'll help you grow. Germs don't like me. Oh, I'm vitamin B. Oh, so if you're feeling low, no energy. Look for our famous group. Oh, call the vitamin Bs. Vitamin C avoid colds and diseases. I never have a chance when you take a lot of measles. Get out in the sunshine and get vitamin D. I'm good for your eyes and I'm good for your bones. Here's vitamin E. Thank you very much, vitamin D. I'm vitamin E. I'm good for your capacitors. Take a lot of me and I'll get into your muscles. We're in vegetables, dairy foods, meat and fruit. Just ask your mum today. Hey.
my kids don't know it, but I often tell them, get out of the sunshine, get vitamin D. And they don't know, they don't understand where I got that from. And I got that off of YouTube, and one of the people in the comments said that it's funny, I cannot remember to put my rubbish bin out on Monday nights, but I can still sing every line of that song. And it's amazing how when we put something to music, it sticks in our minds. And it sticks in our minds, and we rehearse it over, and various things come out years later, like me telling my kids, get out in the sunshine, get vitamin D. That's exactly where I got there from. And there's another one of those songs that they talked about, you know, who knows, mom knows. And I say that to my kids all the time, about, and they have no idea where it comes from. See, all the joys of growing up in the 80s is you get high-quality animation on TV. As you think through your own influences and people that have influenced you, you can take that and influence others. Let's read Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8. It's on the screen for you to follow, but I encourage you, open your Bibles and follow along as well. It says this, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. Things that have, we have heard and known that our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their, from their children, but will tell it to the coming generation. The glorious deeds of the Lord and His might, the wonders that He has done. That is the what. We are going to tell the next generation about the wonderful things that we have learned. The why is verses 5 through 8. And it goes on, it says, He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart is not steadfast, whose spirit is not faithful to God. Let's go back to that verse 7 again. That verse 7 says, this is why. So that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. As a parent, my wife and I, as parents, we have determined from the very beginning when before our children were born, when they were just growing inside my wife, we determined to teach our children to know and to love God. But you can't sit back and go, well, I guess it will just happen by itself. Because they'll just grow. I mean, I tell my kids all the time, stop growing. Mainly because they want me to buy them new clothes. And you, but they're going to grow. They're going to grow and they're going to get older, but they're not going to grow and to be influenced for the things of God unless we do something about it. I desperately care for my children. My wife especially does. She's a far better parent than I am. And I, I'm, I'm sure that you care for your children too. So as parents today, I'm primarily speaking to you. But all, this is an influencing sermon for all of us. Our goal for today is that we're going to recognize and take the opportunities that God has given to us. I have three principles that we're going to walk through very quickly this morning. The first one is to train up 
The second one is to build up. And the final is to lift up. Let's begin. We're going to determine to take the opportunity to train up. Always looking for moments to teach. Teachable moments. In the car was some of the most teachable times of my, my parents and myself. When we'd be in the car driving somewhere, we would often have conversations about our feelings that I couldn't have around the dinner table with my sisters there. But you have conversations and the influence, and you'd hear the words. I remember when I was 19, I, went to the, I moved from Perth and went to the U.S. to go to Bible college. And my mother, in, in a real practical sense, showed me how to do a bunch of things that I was going to have to do by myself like wash my clothes. You know, these are the things you have to do. When you go to the shops, like I had never bought soap before. And she said, when you go to the shops, these are certain things that you buy. And you know what's amazing is because I knew that I was going to need that advice, I listened up. But how often do we go through life ignoring all the positive things that are being told to us? What we need to do is to continue to train up. In the book of Deuteronomy, Chapter 6, verse 5, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And Jesus, in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, adds to that and continues and says, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we break that down into love God, love others. We're constantly trying to teach that and instill that. Be kind to others. You know, stop hitting your brother. It's constantly training up, love God, love others. I want my kids to want to love God. I want my children to want to come to church. Can you imagine the difference in our world if we could just live out that two simple statements, love God, love others. And we're to be constantly training up and taking the opportunities to train up. That passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6 continues on. After it gives the command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, it continues on in verse number 6. And it gives us a three points. It talks us about training diligently, consistently, and practically. It says this. Let's read those verses. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Have you found that you have to teach your children again and again and again? Like when you finally get tired of telling them the same thing for the literally 400th time, you think maybe they've actually listened to you once. It's continually, diligently training up. It's not like I told you when you were four years old, why didn't you listen to me? The passage continues on. That you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. That's consistently. And when you walk by the way. When you lie down and when you rise. And he's encompassing every aspect of life. When you get up in the morning, you're going to talk about the wonderful things of God. You're going to be instilling truth into your family. When you sit down to eat together, you're going to be instilling truth. When you walk along on the road, that's the old-fashioned way of saying when you drive in the car and you're on your way to somewhere, don't waste the opportunity for one-on-one -on -one time with your family. Use these opportunities in a, in a real consistent sense. And it goes on, and in verse number 8, it does something, it talks about something quite 
unusual. I'll explain it. And you shall bind them as a sign over your hand, and you shall set them as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The Orthodox Jews have taken, and people in, in the ancient times did, is they would take this quite literally and quite practically. And they would take little bits of parchment, as this picture on the screen for you to, to see. They'd take pit, little bits of parchment, and they'd write scriptures on them. And they would take these things called phylacteries, which are little leather boxes, and they would roll up this parchment of Scripture in there, and they would quite literally stick it between their eyes, on their forehead. And they would take a a leather strap and uh, strap it around their arm. And symbolically symbolizing, I am always thinking about the things of God. Now, it hasn't come into fashion coolness yet back again for us today and i'm not telling you go write scripture on your forehead but what it talks about there is always being the attitude constantly quoting scripture back now this is a little side note in order for something to come out as an influence you have to be there in the first place for you to to use as an influence that means that in order to it says there and these words that i command you today shall be in your heart that means we actually have to know the words of god We have to be placing them into our hearts so that we can teach others and influence others. The old statement of do as I say, not as I do, we all smirk at that and we think, yeah, yes, yes, sometimes I do that. Don't. (laughs) That's the worst thing you can do as a parent to, to raise your children. You want to live out the truth of your life so that the overflow is you being used to influence others. That means that you read your Bible. Congratulations. I believe you're in the right place today. You're in a place of, of fellowship and worshiping God. You're going to learn more about the things of God so you can apply them to your life. Something that my family and I do, and one of the reasons why we have the principle for today in our, in our bulletin, and also on the other side, on most Sundays, we have the children's Sunday school lesson uh, on the one side so that you as parents know what we're teaching your kids so when you go home and have lunch today, you can talk about, so what did you learn about at church today? You can begin to have this conversation because we're constantly training up. We're not like a used car salesman. We 100% believe our product and we believe it will change our lives. Not only are we to train up, also we're to build up. We're going to go to the second point there. To build up. To build up is an encouragement. You ever try to follow someone that is incredibly grumpy and gruff? It's very, very difficult. They may say the right things, but their body language says something totally different. In order to build someone up and to train and to, and to influence others for the things of God, we must also to encourage them and build them up. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 29 and also verse number 32, says this, Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths. That one's not all that easy, is it? But only such is good for building up. That's the word encourage. As fit for the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And verse number 32 is, some, is a Bible verse that I have taught my children. And when they start fighting, I say, what does the Bible say? And you know what they say? They go, because normally they're angry at the time when, uh, when I catch them fighting. And they go, 
Be ye kind one to another. I know they're not all that excited about it when they, when they say it, but I'm trying to get that into their minds. And in verse 32, Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This passage talks about, it says, fit for the occasion in verse 29. That means it's appropriate. You're building up the other person in an appropriate way at the right timing. This is the difference between praise and encouragement. Encouragement actually names the change. It names the the attribute that that you want to encourage. Praise simply says, you are the best. You're the greatest girl in the world. You're so beautiful. You're so handsome. But actually, encouraging comes along and says, I see something in your life that I want to develop. I can see how tough that that test was at school. I can see how difficult your week has been. I can see how hard it was for you. You did well. You worked through that, and you name the change, and you name what you want to, to build up in them. You also, you continue on there, it becomes others-focused. Verse 29 continues, it says, it may give grace to those who hear. Now, more often than not, when I encourage somebody else, when I seek to build somebody else up, it makes me feel good, but that's not the motivation. The motivation is others-focused. That word tender-hearted in verse 32 and I did a little research on it, it it basically means to be compassionate and sympathetic. In my own life, and probably in yours too, if we could be more compassionate and sympathetic to others, we would see things from other people's perspective, understand and feel the hurt that they may be going through, so we can encourage them, and we can build them up. There's some powerful words I want you to think about for a moment some powerful words of encouragement that your mother may have given you. When you feel low, when you feel down, your mother comes along, and she never did this to me, but imagine for yourself, had to tuck you in when you're afraid of the dark, or you know, you know, hold you and, and give you a kiss in the warm, warm blankets around you and tell you it's all right, and they begin to speak words of encouragement to you. And you walk out of the room, your circumstances haven't changed a bit. But because you know your mother loves you, your mother's supporting you and and, and beside you and, and knows that you can accomplish the task, you leave that situation far more built up and encouraged than simply saying, you're the best. Let me encourage you. Take opportunities to build up. Take opportunities because we want to name and to see the change in, in others' lives. We want to name and to see the development when other people grow. For your teenager, I doubt you get very excited when your teenager comes into the kitchen and presents themselves before you and says, Today I learned my ABCs. And they begin quoting perfectly in order the ABC and the alphabet all the way through. You don't get that excited about it, do you? In fact, you look at it and you think, you better be doing more than that. (laughs) And you you don't get excited about that, but when your two- and three-year-old come in and you go, that's exceptional. 
Look at my child, far more advanced than any of your children, saying the ABCs already. You get excited about it. In different areas of our life, we can begin to see and to recognize areas that we can encourage because we can be tender-hearted towards them and recognizing that it's them-focused, it's others-focused. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it says, this is Jesus talking, let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works. So what? But it continues on. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I pray for my children every single day, and I hope that you do too. I pray for myself also that I don't miss the opportunities to be the Father that they need to be. It's been said, I believe, in fact, I think it was a, a wise theologian named John Fulton one time said this. He said, the kindest gift that I can give my children is a happy marriage. And I thought that was very wise. If you didn't make that up, you got credit for it. And, the, and with that is something that hits me very hard in that I want to be the best husband, the best father that I can possibly be. This is Mother's Day. You can turn it around and say, I can't be the best mom. But be the best mother and the best wife that you can possibly be. Why? It goes into that verse 16. Ultimately, it's so that my children will give glory to their father who is in heaven. So they can know and have a deep, intimate relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's not just to make me happy. It's ultimately for their joy also. So we need to be taking the opportunity to train up, taking the opportunity to build up. And the third, I believe, is something that every single one of us can do better with. And also, with not just do better at, I think we can begin to instill. If you're not already living this one out, I think you can begin applying it to your life even right now. The third is to lift up. Now, physically, your kids start getting bigger. Like, it's all well and good when they're little. I know that mothers, especially, grow incredibly strong biceps from holding their children on their side. And, and then you pick up the kid afterwards, and after five minutes, you're, like, already sore. But then an experienced you know, mother of a, a two-year-old, they have incredibly strong muscles. That's not the lifting up we're talking about. We're not talking about physically picking up your kids. What we're speaking about there is lifting them up to God through prayer. You cannot train up and to build up others and to influence them for the, to know and to love God by yourself. As good as you are, as strong as you are, as smart as you are, you cannot do this successfully by yourself. In the scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, the well-known passage, it says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The, the focus we're going to have is verse 17, pray without ceasing. Now, sometimes we get the, the incorrect understanding of praying that we have to only pray in a, in a solemn and dignified way. Now, in a formal sense, when I pray publicly, I pray trying to, to, I guess, bring others along with me. But in my own mind, this is something that I have found incredibly helpful 
is that I pray God's truth upon people. And let's think specifically. Think about maybe one of your children or someone that you care about that you want to influence and use this as a, in your mindset right now. Because prayer is actually a nonstop awareness that, of, that God's presence is always with you. Oh, you can pray short prayers. If I send you a text to say I've been praying for you, you it either happens really late at night or throughout the course of a day, I'll say, God, will you bless that person? Will you work with them? You've given me a prayer request through one of the connection cards, and I, I keep them on my desk, and I pray through them. But then throughout the course of the day, maybe you come to my mind, and certainly my children come to my mind, and my wife comes to my mind, and I pray prayer of blessing upon them. I pray for their protection. But rather than just praying, like as in an instance, like a genie in the bottle, God, God, will you do this? Will you grant my wishes? That's not the thought process here. When we use Scripture... To back up our prayer, I believe it's powerful because that allows us the opportunity to pray the will of God and to pray the words of God. In your bulletin, I have a list of 12 different Bible verses you can pray over others. I'm going to go through them very quickly. We're not going to spend a great deal of time, but maybe one or two of these particular ones jumps out at you and you think, I'm going to commit that verse to memory. When my children need strength, I can pray, the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lord, I pray that you'll bless my son today, that you will come alongside him, you'll give him the strength that he needs, because these are strength that can only come from you. You're quoting back the words of God, and I believe these are powerful prayers. The second one there is, is courage. This is one of my favorite passages, and this is actually something that I personally pray for myself all, often. We pray that they'll be brave as they face the challenges that are before them. He says this in verse number 9, Joshua 1. Have not I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Maybe you need to pray peace and ask that their hearts will be calm and peaceful as they go through the, their, their day, through the through the. the and they'll sleep well at night. And think of this in Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Something we often pray for is provision. We pray that, that God will provide, that He will give us what we need and, and, and take away from what, what we don't. And provision in Philippians 4, 19. And my God will supply every need of yours, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. We also can see here the prayer of direction. As you think through, you begin thinking, maybe this is something that I can pray for my child or my loved one. Pray for direction. Pray that God leads them as they begin to make decisions, important decisions as they grow older. And the, the well-known scripture from um, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Something I often pray for my own children is for their protection. It's a scary world out there. You think about the, the protection that, that they need and you ask God to keep somebody safe in the unsafe world. Protect them from harm and from, from evil. Psalm 
91 verses 1 and 2. For he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadows of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Maybe you need joy in your life and you need to, to pray joy upon, upon others. As they pray that God will fill them with only the joy that He can fill them with. Psalm 16:11, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let me pray compassion. And pray that they will show compassion upon those in need. That they will live out their faith in a compassionate way to others. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, we've already read this once this morning. It says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. May you pray justice upon others and ask God to give them a sense of justice, to stand up for what is right and to defend the weak. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Learn to do good. Seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. The tenth one on the list is wisdom. And I believe this is something we should all be praying for and asking God to give us wisdom. Pray that wisdom will grow in their hearts and they'll have understanding and that they'll be more than just smart, but they'll truly embrace the wisdom that only God can give. And in James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, it gives us a solution there. Let him ask God, who gives generously to all without approach, and it will be given him. May you pray hope. Number 11 is hope. Ask God to give them the hope that comes from above, the kind that far exceeds what we have here in the here and now. And we live in a world that is really a hopeless world. And pray that our children and those around us in influence will be able to live out Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit may, may abound in hope. Then finally, the twelfth one on this list is the word love. The first half of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but we're just going to read verse number 7. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And you begin praying through, and when these circumstances come to your mind, rather than going, well, I just, just do well, do your best, pray prayer of blessing and use Scripture as the basis. It will keep you on track. It will fill your mind. I believe also quoting back Scripture to God helps us keep our will in tune and in line with Him. So in order to... To, to live that out, when you are faced with an opportunity to influence others or someone comes to your mind throughout the course of the day, quote back Scripture to, to God as a way of prayer. So to review, we need to take the opportunities to train up, to build up, and ultimately to lift up. Our principle is I must take the opportunities to influence others, to know and to love God. I'm going to close with three questions for you this morning. Questions are this. Which of the three opportunities can you begin sharing today? 
Maybe today as you go out, you can begin to train up. Take the opportunity to train. Maybe you can be lifting up someone in prayer or building them up in words of encouragement so that you can help them to know and to love God. The second question there is, what could possibly be a barrier to you to training up, building up, and lifting up? I believe that recognizing the barrier in the beginning is a help to a solution in the long term. Recognizing the areas of difficulty, areas that are, that are barriers. And the third is, who is one person you will seek to influence for God? Name a one person and begin thinking through, God, you put that one person on my heart. I pray that I will be able to train up, to build up, and to lift them up, even now, I mean, let, certainly later on this week. So we can live out verses in the Bible, like Proverbs 22, 6, where it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. 